now. I want you to pull out your smartphones right now, your cell phones right now. Now, this is not a great idea to do every service, but I want to tell you that mm, I want you to take out your phones. And I want you to text somebody right now. Somebody that you know that you should be telling them something that maybe you have neglected to tell them. I want you to take out your phone and I want you to text somebody these words, three words, I love you. Maybe it's a son, maybe it's a brother, maybe it's a father, maybe it's a friend, but they need to know right now that you love them. I want you to take out your phone and text somebody right now. See, unfortunately, sometimes we wait too long. Sometimes we wait until it's too late and then we wish we could, but we can't. Sometimes we let bitterness and unforgiveness keep us from communicating our love for somebody. Sometimes we let busyness keep us from communicating our love for somebody. Don't let it happen. You know, this morning I got a phone call at 6.30 in the morning. And a dear, dear friend of mine, a son in the faith who was in my youth group, his wife was in my youth group when they were 17 years old. They are now in their late 30s. He jumped in the pool, broke his neck, and the doctor said he's not going to make it. But we're going to pray and believe God that God can do miracles. I was with the family, just literally drove in here before I preached the first sermon this morning. But we're going to pray that God can do anything. I told the family, as long as there's breath, there is hope. And after there is no breath, there is still hope. Because God is on the throne and he knows what he's doing. But let's pray for Greg. His name is Greg Robel, the dear, dear son in the faith. Let's pray that God touches him right now. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that you're a faithful God. And Lord, we thank you that every day that has been written down in your book has already been written for us, and every day that's been ordained, Lord God, has been established. And so we pray, God, that you would heal him, Lord God. Father, Lord, we pray that you would raise him, Lord God, up from his bed, Lord God, and that you would glorify, be glorified through this situation. And we thank you, Lord God, because we trust you we believe you're a great God in the midst of every situation. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said. Amen. Did you text somebody? If you text somebody, hold up your phone. If you text somebody, let me see all those texts. Amen. Now take your phone and shut it off. <laughs> Amen. Before I preach this morning, I have some really, really dear friends of mine with us today. How many know that we love missionaries? Amen. How many love missionaries? We love missionaries. And they are partners in the faith. And Paul and Julie Krauss have been missionaries for many years in the Ivory Coast. And we were supporting them while they were missionaries on the Ivory Coast. And they have stories about how God protected them and have stories about how God used them, have stories of civil war and all kinds of things that occurred on the Ivory Coast, and recently the Lord sent him back home to work amongst um, different ethnic groups in the city. Did you know that New York City has probably the most ethnic groups in the world, right? 
And uh, just in Queens, there are a tremendous amount of ethnic groups. And he is leading the way in, number one, informing churches how we can work with ethnic groups. Now, how many know that Pastor Steve loves a multi-ethnic church? Let me see your hands. Come on. How many believe that we are a multi-ethnic church? Just look, at our, look around and you'll see that this church is multi-ethnic. And, and that's the way we love it to be. Amen? And we want it to continue to grow. Now, listen to me. We have to be intentional about this. It doesn't happen by accident. God is calling Bethlehem Assembly of God to be equipped to reach the nations that are coming to our nation. Reach the nations that are coming to our community. But we can't do that unless we're educated, unless we understand. And tonight, we're going to be having a special seminar for the whole church to teach us, to educate us on how we can become intentional about reaching out to people that are of different ethnicities. Because how many know that God is sending them to us? God, listen to me, God is sending us the Muslim people. God is sending all kinds of different people into our community so that we can reach them with the love of Jesus. Amen? But we have to be equipped. So how many of you in this room, you have a heart to reach out to people that are different than you? Let me see your hands. Well, that, look at all the people are going to show up tonight. I can't believe this. Amazing. We're going to be having a seminar this evening. And let me tell you, I heard Paul speak at a seminar. And I said, please, Paul, would you come to my church and give this seminar on how to reach out, reach out to people that are different than us. And so come, be ready to learn, be ready to grow, 6 o'clock this evening. Now, I want them to come, and I'm just going to have them share for a few moments what God has done in their lives and what God's doing through their life through multi-ethnic ministry. Let's give them a big hand as they come. Paul and Julie Proud. Hey, um, Paul, welcome. Julie, welcome today. And um, we actually, um, we're so honored that you're here with us. Can you tell us in a, just a few moments what the Lord has done? You, we've been supporting you for years uh, on, on, on the mission field. Can you tell us a little bit about what you did um, on the Ivory Coast and, and um, as missionaries? And then, then can you transition on why God has you here and what God's doing through you and how we can, how this church can connect with you guys to, to reach out to people that are different than we are? Well, praise the Lord. Thank you. It's a great pleasure to be here, and we appreciate Pastor Steve so much. I, I, I can't think of a single person that can't learn from Pastor Steve's experience and example and his heart for God. Um, just, uh, yeah, 25 years that you've been supporting us. Hallelujah. That's a lot of missionary power, of a lot of missionary heart. So yeah. thank you. We went to Ivory Coast. Our, our ministry, 12-year ministry in Ivory Coast, altogether 20 years with world missions. But our 12 years in Ivory Coast was sandwiched between two civil wars, one that just broke out in Liberia when we first arrived, giving us refugee ministries and all, all of that, and then uh, a civil war in Ivory Coast that caused us to leave the country. But, you know, God uses all of these things to move people around. We had a wonderful ministry in Ivory Coast. One, one problem that we had was we didn't know what to do with all the converts, just the, the power of the Spirit of God. Open-air crusades, we built a couple dozen churches in construction. We taught at the Bible school. We saw the Bible school ministry increased. We started a special school with 4,000 students in the capital city just to disciple believers. 
Uh, evangelism wasn't the problem. Like I said, we didn't know what to do with all the converts, so we just started training them to be disciples. And God was doing, doing powerful things. When we left Ivory Coast, basically due to civil war, uh, God moved uh, at the same time an Ivory Coast pastor to come here to New York City. When he arrived, he called me. I was, uh, I was at the time a vice president at, at uh, Global University. He called me and said he arrived, and he couldn't tell the difference between Newark and New York, but one of the places here he had arrived and uh, ministering to French-speaking Africans. And we engaged. I helped him uh, incorporate, helped him get credentials here in the New York district. We worked with him and engaged with 300 African-speaking pastors. We started works in Bridgeport, Connecticut, Harlem, New York, and Newark, New Jersey. And we began to wonder how many people like Pastor, Pastor Yai, how many people like that are in New York City that are just from different parts of the world, different languages. And so in 2007, uh, our superintendent, Dwayne Durst, asked, if, asked if, if we would come to New York City as missionaries here to the city for the increasing number of of um, multicultural and just different ethnic groups that were coming. It's, there's about 82 significant people groups. When I say significant people groups, that means that somehow they're making a big impact on the communities here in New York City. They number somewhere around 82. About one-third of those are groups that, that if they're uh, elsewhere known around the world, they're unreached people groups, whether Muslim, Urdu-speaking Muslims from Pakistan or Hindus from India or what, whatever the situation is, and they're here in our city. Half the people in Queens are foreign-born and speak a language other than English when they get home from school or work. So we, we are facing something that we haven't seen uh, 20, 30, 50 years ago. This is something new. And um, I'm coming here as a cross-cultural missionary to do cross-cultural evangelism, to reach the nations, to reach the lost, because God's bringing them here to our doorstep. Uh, someone recently said, um, it was Jim Bradford, our general secretary of the Assemblies of God, said, uh, he said to the New York, uh, New York State pastors at our district council, he looked out and said, whether you like it or not, New, York's, New York is the greatest missional challenge in our country. Wow. Within your, he said, within your borders lies the greatest missional challenge in our country. So our top leaders in the Assemblies of God are recognizing that this place that we live, that God has put us here, God has put Christians here. Not all the people that are coming here are non-Christians. Christians are coming here. And so we're collaborating with ethnic churches. And so if we can help train regular churches who have a burden to become multicultural and missional, and we can link together and, and uh, cooperate with ethnic churches, then we can reach together the unreached Amen. that are all the world that God is specifically bringing them from closed countries, restricted countries, and bringing them here to the, to, uh, right here to New York City. So Amen. that's exciting to me. Because we can see the power of Pentecost, we can see the power of the Great Commission really come alive, and this is the this we're in the 21st century. God's doing a new thing. Amen. And and we as a church, we want to partner with you. We as a church, we want you to educate us. We're going to come tonight, and we're going to learn how to reach out to people that are different than us, people that have different ethnicities, different cultures, different religions. We want to learn that. We want to know that. Because we believe, this church, we believe that we have been positioned here for such a time as this. Amen? We want to be on the cutting edge of what God is doing. And God is sending the nations to us. We need to be prepared. 
If you're a college student, you need to come tonight. If you are someone who's in the work field, you need to come tonight. If you have neighbors, you need to come tonight because you need to learn how to respond to, you need to learn how to communicate to people of different cultures so that you can show them the love of Jesus, bring them the gospel. Amen? I want you to extend your hand towards this great couple, and we're going to pray God his blessing over them. Father, we just thank you today for this wonderful couple, Lord. Lord, we thank you that you have sent them to us, Lord, so that they can train us, they can help us. Lord, you, you send evangelists and, and pastors and, and missionaries, Lord, to us so that you can equip us so that we can do the work of service for your kingdom. So thank you for these wonderful servants of God. Bless them. Help them to know that we back them, we support them, and we want to learn from them, Father. And we thank you for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give them a big hand one more time. Love you guys. Love you guys. Thank you so much for you. God bless you. Amen. We'll see you tonight. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. We want to welcome all those that are in the cafe. The cafe is full today, and we thank God for you downstairs in the cafe. We want to thank God for those that are watching this via live stream. We want to thank you for watching us if you're in Dubai, if you're in another part of the world. We want to thank God that you're watching and you're connecting with us. We want to thank God for what God is doing at Bethlehem Assembly of God and what God's going to do this morning. Now, last week... We talked about digging ditches and how we need to be response-able. Remember we talked about that? That we have to have disciplines in our life to be able to be ready to respond to whatever happens in our life. Now, I want to talk to you about another person in the Bible that was response-able. A person in the Bible that you would not believe became an instrument of hope, an instrument of mercy, and an instrument of healing in the life of someone who actually hurt her and used her. I want you to turn in your Bible to 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2. Now you can see that I have a t-shirt on this, this morning, and uh, it's the radical t-shirt because we are entering into a new series entitled Radical, and every one of us here today, we need to be a part of this incredible series that we're beginning in just one week, and we want to encourage you to go ahead and get your shirts, to go ahead and make sure that you are prepared to uh, enter into this incredible journey that we call the journey of being radical. Now, 2 Kings chapter 2 the Bible tells us that there was a man named Naaman, and he was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. And he was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. Now, now he is a part of the Syrian army. Now, let's not, let's not get political here. Uh, has nothing to do with what's happening today around our world, but God was using the Syrian army to actually humble the people of Israel, to discipline the people of Israel. So God used Naaman, even though Naaman didn't recognize that he was actually a puppet in the hands of God. But notice, let's go on a little bit, little bit further. He is an, an, a commander in the army, and he was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. He was a valiant soldier, but, but he had a life-ending disease. It was going to kill him. It was going to take his life. He had leprosy. Now, the Bible's now, 
Now bands from Aaron had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. Let's go to the next verse. And the Bible tells us that she goes now to the, 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 the Naaman's wife, and she says to Naaman's wife, listen, I know a servant, I know a prophet, and he's in Israel, and she says, if only he would go to the prophet, he would heal her of, he would heal him of his leprosy. And so this young girl, she becomes a messenger of hope. She becomes an instrument in the hands of the Lord. Now, now the truth is, she is a slave girl. She is ripped from her mother's arms and she's dragged off to Aram and she becomes a slave in Naaman's house. Now, I want to talk to you about two miracles, but really, I want to focus on the miracle that's in the miracle. Did you know that there are all kinds of miracles that happen in our life that we can't even recognize that they're miracles in our life? I call them miracles in miracles. There is the main miracle. What's the main miracle? Well, the main miracle is that Naaman is a leper. Naaman is full of himself. I mean, he believes he's God's gift to the army of Aaron, and he's full of himself, and God has to humble him. How many know that God often has to humble us before he can do anything in our life? He's got to get us to the point in which we are desperate for him, which we say, you know what? I give up trying to do it on my own, and I humble myself. God resists the proud, but he gives what? He gives grace to the humble, and grace is God giving you what you need, when you need it, even though you don't deserve it. He didn't deserve the mercy of God, but God was there and God wanted to heal him. God wanted to reveal himself as Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals him, and he uses this servant girl to do that. Notice what happens. The Bible says that when Naaman finds out about this, he's so desperate that he says, let me find out where I can get a hold of this guy that can heal me. So he goes to the king of Aram, and the king of Aram picks up his cell phone, calls the king of Israel, and he says, dude, listen to me. I got this command of this army guy and I really love this guy this guy is really he's gold he's he's really gold to me and man if I lose this guy I'm probably gonna lose the war I need you to help me and the king of Israel says am I God that you would send them to me do you think that I have the power to to bring somebody back to life do you think I have the power to heal somebody and and what happens Elisha hears about it and he says to the king king chill out don't worry about it don't worry, man. Soon come. Be happy. Everything good, man. Everything good, man. He says, okay. He says, send the guy to me. So Naaman goes to Elisha's house. Now, Elijah had an attitude, you know. I love a prophet with an attitude, right? Elijah is a prophet with an attitude. Remember last week, last week we talked about three kings that had to be humble. They thought that they were going to beat the king of the Moabites, and they thought they, they had it in the bag, and they thought they were going to do this thing, and now they're wandering around the desert for seven days. They run out of water. As a result of that, their men start to die. Their, their horses start to die. They're desperate, and they go to the prophet Elisha, and what happens? When they get there, Elisha doesn't even come out of the house. He just says, dig ditches. And tomorrow there'll be water. Well, this time Naaman comes to his house, 
rings the doorbell. The servant comes to the house, comes to the door, goes back and says to Elijah, listen, there's a, there's a guy out there. You know, I know last week you had three kings. This week you got a commander of an army. And I mean, he's got a chest full of medals on, and you need to go talk to him. What does Elijah do? Elijah says, listen, listen, I'm watching the giants right now. And I got no time to come out and talk to this guy, Naaman. Just go tell this guy, Naaman, to go to the Jordan River and dip himself seven times in the Jordan River, and he'll be better. So Naaman is furious. He says, I travel all the way there. I go there. I respect the guy to come to his house, and he doesn't even have the respect to get up and greet me. Doesn't he know who I am? He says, you know what? Besides that, he says, he's telling me to dip myself in a dirty river, Jordan. He says, we've got incredible rivers back where we live, and all I needed to do is go there and, and dip myself there if that's, if that's all I needed to do. Why didn't he just tell me to, you know, dip myself in a river, in a really nice river, that he makes me come all the way here, and now I've got to dip myself in a dirty river. And the servant is so smart, he says to Naaman, he says, Naaman, chill out, man. He said, listen. He didn't ask you to do any difficult thing. He's just asking you to go and dip yourself in the river. That's all. Give God a chance. You know, and, and it amazes me how many people refuse to allow God to do anything in their life because they think they're going to lose something. Friend, let me tell you, if you're watching via live stream today, if you're in the cafe, you're in the balcony on the first floor, let me tell you something. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan to bless you, to prosper you. God has a plan to heal you, to deliver you, to use you in a great way. You've got to give him a chance. You've got nothing to lose, nothing to lose, and all to gain. And so he says, if he had told you to do a more difficult thing, would you do it? But he's telling you to do a simple thing. Go to the Jordan River and dip yourself in the river seven times. You know, when I was a kid, every time I do that, I'm reminded. When I was a kid, I used to go to the beach with my Aunt Gracie and my mom and my other aunts. And, uh, you know, I used to always think they were so old. Now I'm their age. They weren't so old, man. They were not so old. And they never dove in the water. You know, we're diving in the water. Never dove in the water. They just went to the water and they just went. <laughs> You're laughing because some of you women, you've done the same thing. <laughs> I don't want to get my makeup ruined. That I'm... <laughs> so, so Naaman goes and he dips himself in the river. One time, oh, I, I would have loved to have been there. I suppose that the first time he dipped himself in the river, his feet were healed. Hallelujah, glory to God. The next time he dipped himself in the river, his knees were healed. Glory to God. The next time he dipped himself, oh, he's feeling good now. Glory to God. He's getting the anointing of God all over him. Friend, I want you to know that there's a river that you can swim in, the river of God, the power of God, the anointing of God, the blessing of God. But you got to go and you got to trust God. And God said to this guy, listen, I don't want you to do it one time. I don't want you to do it. I want you to do it seven times. The word seven or that number seven is a, a number of completion that you got to go all the way through no matter what's going on in your life. Never give up. Keep on praying until the answer comes. Hallelujah. And so he dips himself in the river and he's healed. 
And he runs back to Elijah and he says, there is a God. And I'm going to serve this God with all my heart. That's a great story. Isn't that a great story? I mean, what a miracle that happens. But you know what? I believe there's a greater miracle in this story. There is a miracle that's tucked away in this story that I believe is much more deeper and much more fruitful and much more effective than even naming getting healed. It's the miracle of a slave girl, a girl who is ripped away from her parents, dragged off to a foreign nation who has the integrity and the character and the depth of spirituality in her life, never to give in, but to say, I can be a messenger of hope to somebody that's even abused me in my life. Come on, somebody. That is a miracle. Listen to me. There are miracles, then there are miracles. There are physical miracles, then there is the miracle of the heart. And friend, it is harder to change a bitter, hardened heart than it is for God to heal somebody of leprosy. Listen to me. You see, we have a free will. Every one of us in this room, God can heal us physically, but God allows us to have a free will. And if we want to hold on to self-pity, if we want to feel bad and pity ourselves, if we want to hold on to bitterness and anger and unforgiveness, God can't help us and God can't use us because he'll never violate our free will. And so here's a young lady, an incredible story of a young lady with incredible character and integrity. I mean, think about it. I mean, you know, sometimes we, we read stories in the Bible. Sometimes we, 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 we read stories and we quickly go through the story and we don't realize what actually is taking place in the story. So let me slow down the story a little bit and help you to understand this young lady is living in her home. Maybe she's 14 years old. Maybe she's 12 years old. And everything seems to be okay at home. She's taken care of, well taken care of. Her parents are godly people. They're Israelites. They love the Lord. And the Bible says sometime later, the king of Aaron sent armies of men to raid Israel and bring back young ladies bring back young men and make them slaves. Think about it. So the soldiers go to her town, her community, burn down her house. Maybe they kill her father. Maybe they kill her mother. Maybe they rape her sister. And they grab a hold of this little girl who's probably a virgin, who's probably worth a lot of money, and they drag her to Aram. Friends, let me tell you, right now, today, there are over 27 million slaves in our world. There are more slaves today in our world than ever before. And they are being trafficked all around the world. Some of them are being trafficked so that they can be servants in people's homes. Some of them, most of them are being trafficked so that they can be sex slave to men and women who are perverted. And there are little boys and little girls. There are more people being trafficked today. While we're sitting in this church right now, while we're worshiping God and celebrating and thanking God that he keeps us safe, there's a, a young lady that's walking perhaps through JFK Airport, and she is a sex slave, and she is going to be brought into a place in Brooklyn, Queens, or Long Island. 
to be used and abused. And I thank God for my good friend, Michael Bartell, who's a missionary who we are partnering and we have just sent him $10,000 to help him complete a safe home where I can't even tell you where this safe home is today out of danger for these young girls and boys that are going to be staying in this safe home. And Bethlehem Assembly of God, thank you for your missions giving. Thank you for your generosity because you have helped us build a safe home for these young boys and girls so that they can get away from these people who are trying to use them and live in a place of safety where they can be healed and be whole again so that they can go back into society and know that this will never happen to them again. Thank you, thank you. But that's kind of the story that we're seeing here of a young lady who was taken from her homeland and now she becomes a slave. And see, the amazing thing about this story is the character of this young lady. Because, you see, the first thing I notice about this young lady is that she never gives in to self-pity. Never. You see, because when you give it, listen to me, when you give in to self-pity, when you start feeling sorry for yourself, and maybe we're not going through the same situation that this young girl went through, but we all go through situations in our life where we have to face trials and tribulations. In fact, I want to tell you something. God is going to send you a package in the mail, and some of you are going to want to give that package back to God. You're going to want to send it back to sender. Why? Because in that box, there's going to be a fiery trial. In that box, there's going to be a situation in your life that you're not going to want, and you're going to want to send it back. You see, I have three daughters and a wife in my house, and I have a mother-in-law, and UPS often comes to my house. You know why? Because they're always buying stuff online. And every once in a while, I feel like sending it back. Just surprised saying, send it back. <laughs> but the truth is, we want to send back some of our... I don't want this one, God. No. In fact, if God would foretell us or forewarn us of the things that we would go through in our life, how is it that we would be able to live if we would know the things that we're going to go through in our life? I got up this morning. I didn't know that I'd be in the hospital by 7.30 in the morning praying for a young man that's in his 30s holding on to life. We don't know these things, but one thing we can be sure of, that God said that he's going to deliver us out of these situations. But listen, he didn't say he's going to deliver us from these situations. He's going to deliver us out of these situations we are going to have to go through the valley of the shadow of death and we're going to fear no evil because we're going to know that God is going to bring us to the other side because why he's going to complete the work that he started in us but sometimes we've got to walk through the fire sometimes we've got to go through the valleys in our life why because James says we consider it pure joy we're happy when we get that package in the mail we're happy can you imagine who's going to be happy come on James says, when you open up that box and you're surprised by the trial that's in your life, consider it pure joy because God is at work in your life. And it seems to me that God does his best work through the fire. That God sends his medicine, God sends his fire, God sends trials and tribulations because God is doing a work in our life. But you see, so often in the midst of that, we really want to feel sorry for ourselves. How many of you 
I've ever had a pity party before. Let me see your hands. The rest of you, you're lying. Yeah, I saw a woman in the balcony. She's like, yeah, that's me, man. Yeah. We want to feel sorry for ourselves. I have. There have been times where I'm like, man, why? Why does it have to happen? Did you ever notice that trials never come at a time that you want them to come? They're always inopportune times, aren't they? I mean, the UPS door, you know, the guy comes and knocks on your door at the wrong time. It's always at the wrong time. It's never like, okay, wonderful. I really was expecting this one. Great timing. I've got a lot of time on my hands. I can deal with sickness right now. I've got a lot of time on my hands, and I can deal with bad news right now. It's always the wrong time. But the truth is that God is doing a work in us, but in the wrong time, it always seems like it's the right time to have a pity party. So, so how do you keep yourself from, 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 from getting swallowed up by self-pity in your life. Well, number one, you got to learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. Because here's the truth. The truth is, like I talked to last week about the disciplines of a spiritual life, that if you don't learn how to pray in the good times, you're not going to pray in the bad times. If you don't learn how to read the Word, in the good times, you're not going to have the power and the strength to read the word in the bad times. If you don't know how to glorify God in the good times, if you don't know how to love people in the good times, if you don't know how to break through some cross-racial or cross-cultural barriers in your life when good times are coming, how in the world are you going to be able to be used by the Lord when bad times come? You see, you've got to prepare yourself in the Word, and you've got to prepare yourself in prayer, and you've got to prepare yourself in small groups, in radical small groups, so when the bad time comes, you can shine hallelujah because God shines the best in the darkness God shines the best when you're going through trials in your life you can shine why because you're giving God the glory and people are saying how is it that they can still have their uh, ha have their sanity when they're going through all this and you could say because my God is faithful I've seen him be faithful in my life all through my life I've seen the faithfulness of God I know God personally we want to feel sorry for ourselves. Never give in to self-pity. It will kill you. Listen to me. The sidelines of Christianity are filled with Christians who gave up because they gave into self-pity. Don't do it. Don't you dare give in to self-pity. It will destroy your life. Oh, you can sit in it for a day, but you, get a, you better get up and flush and move on. You can sit on the pot of self-pity for a little while, but you better get up and flush and move on because it'll kill you. It's a cancer that'll destroy your life. It's just like David who learned how to encourage himself in the Lord. You know the story of David. David is out at war, and while he's out at war, another army comes and and they destroy his home, and they destroy his city, and they take his wife, and they take his children, and they take all his men's wives and children, and they take them off as slaves, and they come back. And the Bible says that David's men wanted to stone him. 
They were so angry at David as a leader. And the Bible says that David cried. He wept before the Lord. And after he stopped all of the self-pity, he said, I, I need to encourage myself in the Lord. And he encouraged, the Bible says, he encouraged himself in the Lord. We've got to learn, listen to me, if we're going to overcome pity in our life, then we've got to learn how to be thankful in, listen to me, every, everybody say with me, every. We need to learn how to be thankful in every situation. I didn't say for every situation, because let me tell you something. There are some situations they didn't orchestrate, they didn't originate from God. A young lady who was sold into slavery, that's not the hand of God. But God teaches us, God tells us, no matter where you are, no matter what situation you're in, even if you're on your deathbed, you still have a reason to praise the Lord. Glory to God. You still have a reason to be thankful. Glory to God. I don't know what situation you're in, but if you would learn how to thank the Lord, if you would learn to say, God, show me the good things that will come out of this because all things work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. God, I want to see your goodness in the land of the living. Glory to God. You got to learn. You, 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 you got to learn how to count your blessings when you don't have a whole lot of money to count. You got to learn how to count your blessings. When you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, you've got to learn that in every situation, God is still a good God. Hallelujah. I mean, even on our deathbed, God is still a good God because when I close my eyes, I'm going to glory. Hallelujah. It's a better place. Glory to God. There's always a reason in your life to give God thanks. I love Helen Keller. Helen Keller is one of my favorite heroes of history. And Helen Keller said, self-pity is our worst enemy. And if we yield to it, we can never do anything good in this world. Wow. Man. She's blind, she's deaf, she's mute. And she deposits all of this great stuff in this world. Why? Because she had a choice to make. Like you have a choice this morning to make. Are you going to stew in your self-pity and feel sorry for yourself? Or are you going to get up and make a difference in this world by giving God thanks and letting God use you in the midst of your suffering? Because, see, here's what happened. God takes this young lady. I mean, how in the world can you, in, how in the world can this young lady come to that place where she would say, you know what, I want to be used by God no matter what? She can't understand why in the world God allows this to happen. But here's the deal. The deal is, is that God has to take her from her family, place her in Naaman's family, so that God could do something great in that whole kingdom. Because she was, listen to me, she was positioned in the house of an incredibly influential man. So she submits her own emotions to God she submits her own will to God not my will but your will be done God and as a result of her not sitting wallowing in self-pity she becomes an instrument she becomes a messenger of hope to this man he gets healed and what does he do he glorifies God and perhaps he leads many people into the kingdom of God because this young lady did not give in to self-pity listen to me some of you you hate where you live some of you hate where you work. 
Some of you despise the situation that you're in. Instead of focusing on the situation you're in, why don't you start asking God, God, how can you use me in this situation? Instead of complaining and feeling sorry for yourself, why don't you start saying, God, how can you use me at work? How can you use me at this college that I don't want to be at? How can you use me in this family that is dysfunctional, God? See, because God is sovereignly placing you in places you don't want to be. But you, you prayed a prayer a little while ago. I know you did. If you've been coming to this church for more than one week, you prayed a prayer. This was the prayer. God, in every situation, in every circumstance, use me. Do you remember when you prayed that prayer? How many of you remember when you prayed that prayer? Well, guess, oh, look, there wasn't a whole lot of hands that were raised. <laughs> well, guess what? God's going to place you in difficult situations. But you've got to learn how to encourage yourself. Give thanks to the Lord in every situation in your life. The second thing I see, listen to me as I move quickly, the second thing I see is this young lady never allowed bitterness to keep her from being merciful. She never allowed bitterness to keep her from doing what was right to the person who hurt her. You know, Jesus tells us that as disciples, listen to me, look at me, Jesus tells us as disciples that we're to not only pray for our enemies, but we're to love our enemies. Now, let me tell you something. I don't have a hard time loving most of you in this room. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't have a hard time loving people who love me. I don't have a hard time loving people who appreciate what I do. I don't have a hard time loving people who love me back. But Jesus said, if you really want to be like my Father in heaven, in fact, he says, be ye perfect, even as your father is perfect in heaven. And he talks about going the second mile, turning your cheek and praying for those who despitefully use you. Wow. I mean, that's, that's the hardest thing in the world. Listen, the hardest thing for you and I to ever have to face in our life is being abused, being ridiculed, being rejected, being used, being hurt. That... That is the hardest thing to deal with in our life. Hurts run deep. The pain runs so deep that it's so hard to forgive. But Jesus said, when you pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Why in the world would God tell us to forgive our enemies? Why in the world would God tell us to forgive those that hurt us? Because listen to me, bitterness is the poison that we drink while we wait for the other person that hurt us to die. Bitterness is a cancer that will kill you. It will cripple you emotionally, spiritually, intellectually, and so often even physically. Bitterness is a cancer that will keep you from reaching out to other people and doing the will of God. You know, the truth is the church, not just this church, but the church of Jesus Christ is filled with people that have been hurt. And you know, they've settled down in their heart. I'm not 
going to try that again. I'm not going to reach out and love somebody again like I did. I'm not joining a small group. I'm, I'm not trying to get close to somebody because the last time I got close to another Christian, they stabbed me in the back. The next time I go to a church, I'm just going to stay in the background and I'm not going to get involved because I've been hurt by the pastor. I'm not trying that again. And when we do that, we start to die relationally. We start to die spiritually. We start to die emotionally because bitterness is a cancer. But notice this young lady's response. I mean, here's a young lady that has incredible character. She could have said to herself, man, I'll tell you what, I'm so glad. The best news that I've ever got in my life was that the doctor said that this guy's got leprosy. And you know what? Every day that I serve him his meal, I can't wait to see him grab that meal with less fingers on his hand. I can't wait to see his limbs start to shrivel up. I can't wait to see this guy die. I want to see him die. He deserves what he's getting. Instead of saying that, she runs in to her mistress. She runs into her master's wife. And she says, but I know where there is an answer. Friend, let me tell you something. The person who hurt you, if they don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, one day they will die. They will be sent to a Christless hell. And they will be in agony for eternity. This young lady, because she had mercy in her heart, she knew he had no hope. I was his only hope. And I submit my pain to the greater good of the very person who hurt me. We're Christians. We have the eyes of the Spirit, and we understand that people that don't know the Lord are in worse shape, far worse shape than we could ever be. And so we have the compassion of the Lord, the mercy of God, and we reach out and we help even the person that's hurt us. She never let bitterness keep her from doing the right thing. And lastly, she's an amazing young lady. The miracle within the miracle. Oh, it's cool. Miracle of a man healed of leprosy. What's cooler is a young girl who believed in the supernatural power of God even when she was walking through the most difficult, darkest time of her life. And as the worship team comes this morning, I want to tell you, whatever situation you're in today, you've got to believe that God is greater than the situation you find yourself in. She never stopped believing in the supernatural power of God. She never stopped believing in the incredible promises of God. Listen what she said. She said, if only he would get to the man of God, I know he will be cured of leprosy. She didn't say, maybe. She didn't say, listen, you got nothing to lose. 
it's a good shot. If it doesn't work, at least you tried it all. She said, I know that I know that I know that if he touches the hem of his garment, she is going to, he is going to be healed. And I want you to know today that God is calling some young people in this place. God is calling us to be people of faith because faith never gives up. Faith never stops believing. No matter how dark it is, no matter how desperate it is, I know that I know that God is going to finish the work that he started in me. I know that God is a miracle working God and I know that my miracle is on the way. Glory to God. God raises up and help us to believe with all of our heart that we have a God who is a great God, an awesome God, and he's true to his promise, and all the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ Jesus, and we know that we know that in the end, God will be glorified through our life. Would you stand to your feet right now? Come on. Would you stand to your feet right now? And maybe you're here this morning, and you say to me, Pastor Steve, I've gone through some difficult times in my life. Maybe right now, you're going through an incredibly difficult time in your life, and you're feeling sorry for yourself. This is not a time to feel sorry for yourself. Look at me. Listen to me. This is not a time to feel sorry for yourself. This is not a time to wallow in self-pity. This is your time to say, God, whatever however use me for your glory maybe you are hurt you've been wrongfully accused abused used whatever it is and bitterness has settled into your heart you got to let it go let it go because God can't use you until you let it go oh but the pain is so it's so deep, Pastor Steve. The pain is so di difficult to get over. God. The past is so hard. I know, I know, I know, I know. And God lovingly wants to begin to heal you of that hurt. And it's not going to happen overnight. I know that. Some of you may have to get some counseling. I know that. But it starts with a decision. It starts with the same decision this young lady ma made. I'm still going to let you use me, God. And I'm going to even pray for the person who abused me and hurt me. And when I get a chance, I'm going to show mercy to that person. I'm going to show forgiveness. Because I still believe that in the midst of difficulty, God does his best work. He does his miracles. I want you to raise your hands with me right now, would you please? And we're going to sing a song today. And we're going to sing it in thankfulness to the Lord. And we're going to say, God, make me thankful, God. Lord, in every situation, Lord God, make me thankful. Help me to be thankful, Lord. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that I can sing a song in the middle of the night, Lord God. If you're in the balcony, if you're in the cafe, if you're watching this via live stream, just wherever you are, just stand to your feet. And we're going to sing the song, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord. And I want you to bless the Lord, because listen, sometimes... Blessing the Lord is a sacrifice. Sometimes you don't feel like blessing the Lord, but you bring your offering of praise to the Lord. And you say, God, I don't feel like it, but I'm going to do it anyway, God. Because, Lord, you are a good God no matter what happens in my life, Lord. I choose, Lord, 
to do the right thing. I choose to forgive, Lord. I choose to, to, to reach out. I choose, Lord God, to break out of self-pity. Break the chains, Lord. I said, break the chains, Lord God, and help us to praise you no matter what, God. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Hallelujah, Lord God. Come on, sing with me. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh, oh, oh my soul. Worship His holy name. Hallelujah. Sing like never before. Come on, sing like never before. Oh my soul. Come on, raise your hands and sing it like you've never sung it before. Come on, with all your heart, name. with all your soul. Come on, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Yes, Lord. Oh, oh my soul.
Can you worship him with me today? Hallelujah. Can you bless him today? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Worship you, Lord. We sing a new song to you, Lord. 
Father, help us today to know that you're still a miracle-working God. Lord, we just we pray for those that have sickness in their body, God, that you would heal them today, God. Lord, as, this, as the waters are stirring, as the Spirit is moving, we pray, oh God, for those that are here today in this church that have sickness in their body, God, no matter what it is, Lord, we, we pray for healing over their body right now. Just if you have sickness in your body, just, just thank the Lord for his healing over your body. You know, there are times when God just heals people right in the middle of the service. We've heard of all kinds of situations. Maybe you have a financial need. Maybe you have a relational need. But listen, the greatest sickness a person can have, the greatest disease a person can have, listen to me, the greatest disease a person can have is bitterness. You see, listen to me, bitterness is so connected with self-pity. You feel sorry for yourself because somebody hurt you. And so instead of rising above that bitterness, you feel sorry and you believe that that person should get what he deserves, what she deserves. Instead of saying, no, God, you said that I'm to love that person anyway. You see, self-pity is the result of bitterness and unforgiveness. And I'm telling you, there's somebody in this room today, you're filled with the, the poison the cancer of bitterness and you got to let it go God can't work in your life God can't forgive you until you forgive others you say how do I start by just asking God to forgive you of your bitterness say God I've been holding on to this thing for too long and I'm gonna let it go and God's gonna begin the healing process right now father I pray for those that are watching this via live stream I pray for those that are in the cafe the balcony the main floor God, that you would touch them today and help them to get over their bitterness. We're going to pray a prayer all across this place. We're going to pray a prayer right now. And the prayer is going to include a prayer of strength over self-pity, forgiveness for bitterness, and faith for miracles. Are you ready to pray? Are you ready to pray? Raise your hands right now. I want you to pray with me, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you will never allow a situation in my life. You will never put me in a place in my life in which you will not require courage, mercy, and faith. You will never allow me to be in a situation that will destroy me every situation every valley every situation in my life you are working out for my good teach me to trust you forgive me Lord for feeling sorry for myself give me courage and strength forgive me Lord for holding on to unforgiveness and bitterness, I choose to forgive. Give me faith to see in the darkest times, you're still God. You're still able to do a miracle. Use me, Lord. Refine me, Lord. In Jesus' name, for your glory. And for your honor. 
Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a clap offering. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Now listen. Before you leave today, listen. I preached this sermon on purpose today. This was the sermon that the Lord gave me. Now listen. Before you leave, no moving around. I couldn't understand why God gave me this word this week. I was like, God, I want to talk about radical. I want to, I want to, I want to line it up. I want to set it up for next week, Lord. That's just the way I think. I always think, okay, sir, this sermon has to set something up for next week. God, there's a whole lot of people that need to read this book. There's a whole lot of people that need to get into small groups. And God said to me, you preach the sermon. You'll be obedient to me. You let me take care of the rest. I believe that God spoke this word to somebody because God is calling us to a different place in our Christian walk today. You see, we're surface Christians. We're baby Christians. We need to go deeper. If we're going to be responsible, if we're going to really be able to go through the storms of our life, if we're going to be able to say, God, use me no matter what, then we've got to learn and be educated on the radical sayings of Jesus. Because too many of us, we've come to church, we've come to the Lord for what we can get out of Christianity, not understanding God wants to use us for his glory. This book will help you to go deeper in your faith. It'll radically shake the very cores of your Christianity, and you'll come out a strong Christian, ready to go when you have to face difficult times in your life. I promise you. So I need you to do two things when you leave this place today. I need you to go and buy, get one of these books right here. I told you that we'd have them available this week and next week for you guys. We have only 800. There's about 2,000 people come to Bethlehem. You say, why did you order 800? Because we didn't want to have leftovers. And so if, we, if, we, if, if, if we don't have enough today after this, we'll take your name and we'll order them immediately, have them for you this week, all right? If that happens. I sense that that's going to happen. You know why? In the first service, I went outside and Leah was like, we're running out of books already. That's awesome. And then the second thing, and I want you to read this. Next week, we're going to start a spiritual journey of eight weeks where we're going to read this together. Everybody, one chapter. Don't go ahead. Some of you already went ahead. I put on Facebook, Radical's coming. You're like, all right, I already read it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not supposed to do that. Um, but read one chapter at a time. It'll revolutionize your thinking. The Lord spoke to me. And me and my daughter, Janine, we wrote a companion workbook to go along with that. And I believe the reason why the Lord wanted the pastor to do that is because it's, it's got to be our series. So this is David Platt's book, This Is Our Series. These are questions. That's all they are. They're questions. Now, 150 plus of you said you wanted to be a radical group leader. What is a radical group leader? You find three people, three people to 10 people that you can just read the book and then get together for one hour at Starbucks at work, at college, we're praying for young people to do this. And you find three people that, that are going to say, I will read the book and then we'll get together for one, one hour and we'll answer the questions in this workbook and we'll let God speak to us. Now, if you haven't signed up to be a radical gatherer, a radical group leader, you could do it today. You could say, hey, I, want, I really want to do this, man. I want to do this with somebody in my life that I want to really help grow and know the Lord Jesus Christ. I need you to go outside and buy a book, get a work, workbook with it, and then get your, you get your instructions if you're a radical group leader. If, if you are here today and you don't know for certain that if you die today that you'd go to heaven, 
right after the service today, I'm going to dismiss in a moment because we're running out of time. But right after the service today, I want to meet you. And I want to give you something. I want to give you a special gift to help you on your journey of knowing Christ and knowing that if you died today, you would go to heaven. This is a serious question. Today was a serious moment for me. And it just gives me even more of a passion to tell people you don't know when you're going to face death. And so if you're here today and you, you want me to pray for you, after the service is dismissed, if you don't know if you die today, you go to heaven. Meet me right here. Some altar workers are going to help me. I want to give you something and pray for you. God bless you. I love you. Be strong in the Lord and know he's doing a work in your life. God bless you today.